Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Oops! Oh, oh, oh. How many friggin' cookies did you have tonight, Santa Claus? Uh, maybe four or five thousand, delivering all the presents to the little boys and girls. You know something? You shouldn't even be called Santa Claus. I'm going to have to rename you Diabetes Claus at the rate you're going. What kind of example are you setting for these kids, huh? Ryan, I'm going to put you on the naughty list and you're going to get cold this year. I'm getting cold. I caught you making out with my mom underneath the Christmas tree last year. You were kissing my mom. What the hell is wrong with you, you philandering fuck? How dare you judge me, Diabetes Claus? You couldn't just do a normal Christmas show, Ryan, could you? You couldn't just open the show in a normal, nice fashion, could you, Ryan? No, I couldn't, Diabetes Claus. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. And Merry Christmas to you all! This is our second annual Christmas show. Great honor to have you with us. We're going to have a number of unique experts on our program tonight. And we're going to do the first ever forensic soul analysis on Santa. I love the expression, Merry Christmas and not Happy Holidays. I think the term, Happy Holidays, sounds so lame and so you know politically correct. And, ah, can't stand it. Merry Christmas. I think we should all say it. Merry Christmas can mean anything to all different people. Merry Christmas to me is the anniversary of when my wife and I met. She met me in a bar. I was the last guy there. She's like, oh, God, please, someone else show up. Someone else besides this guy. And we're married, and that day she lost total faith in God. But that's what Merry Christmas means. It's the anniversary of us. And it should be something special to you, too. It should be the celebration of maybe the greatest thing or most important thing in your life. And you don't have to belong to any religion or belong to any group to celebrate that, to experience it. We can all experience Merry Christmas. We can all experience the unbelievable colorful lights on the tree, the cookies, the beer, and uh, celebrating the idea that some big fat ass is going to judge you for being naughty or nice. And if you're on his good side, he's going to bring you consumer products. Come on. This is something we should all participate in. Well, again, it is a great, great honor to have you with us tonight. Let us begin the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, Christmas Show, Part 2. Ah. Joining us now is Mr. Edward Meyer, Vice President of Exhibits and Archives for Ripley's Believe It or Not. You can learn more about Mr. Meyer by going to his website at ripley's.com. Mr. Meyer, welcome to the program and we appreciate you being here with us to dispel some old Christmas myths. So thank you for being with us. Well, my privilege. Thank you for having us on. And uh, our new book, uh, Unlock the Weird, has just a couple Christmas stories, not a lot. Excellent. But I, I've got a few others here in front of me that hopefully we can uh, tell you some things that you may not have heard of and may not believe. Well, we'd love to hear them. So can you please tell us the first one? Well... From the book, there, there seems to be four that I can point out here. Page 214, um, sorry, page 124, the traditional Christmas song, Jingle Bells, was actually written for Thanksgiving. Composed really? in 1850 by a gentleman named James Pierpoint in a tavern in Massachusetts. Uh, the local little tavern was having sleigh, sleigh races 
And this apparently was a big thing that they did, and he wrote this tune, and everybody liked it enough that they kept playing it for the next month, and suddenly it, uh, you know, seemed to go into Christmas season, and the rest is history. By by 1857, it was uh, a national song and more associated with Christmas than New Year uh, than Thanksgiving. And uh, first first performed at Christmas at a, a church in Savannah, Georgia. Wow. And uh, what about some of your other ones? Page 206 is the only item in the book that has a picture to go with it. And okay. a book, Unlock, uh, Unlock the Weird, is a very visual book, over 500 photographs. Page 206, we got the Genesee Brewing Company of Rochester, New York, building a 23-foot-tall Christmas tree out of 300 stainless steel beer kegs. Ten-story wow. sto- <laughs> ten high, 600 feet of green lights, uh, and it was at their visitor center in, uh, in Rochester, New York. It's kind of, it's kind of, kind of fun. It's, it's got the green lights to make it look like a Christmas tree, but it's it's basically just a big, huge pyramid of beer. Wow. That's a pretty amazing note. We're going to just go off the cuff about some of the – you know, traditions or facts that we've come to know about Christmas, I'd like to know your, your personal take on them. First one is, is it possible for Santa to get to every person's house? Around well, the world? it would first? take Santa to visit 822 homes per second, okay. traveling at 650 miles a second in order to l- deliver all the presents on Christmas Eve. So 822 homes a second, traveling at 650 miles a second. So probably isn't going to happen in a sleigh. He's going to need a rocket ship for sure. Also, he's very fat. Uh, you'd have to move extremely fast for that. So I just don't understand why people think he's capable of doing it. Um, as far as some of the other traditions go, are there any songs that have any particular significance to you that uh, may, not, may not necessarily have been rooted in a positive fashion? I'll give you an example. There's that song, Ring Around the Rosie, and it's about the Black Plague. Are there any Christmas songs that you think may have been rooted in uh, a national tragedy that we're not aware of? Um, I'm going to have to say no to the the question the way you've uh, asked it, but here's my favorite song, and I'm going to try and read it in the Middle English it was written, but uh, this is from Oliver Cromwell, who uh, has the notoriety of banning Christmas. So he says, no more turkey, no more boar, Christmas gluttony now is o'er. No more pudding, no more pies, no more drinking two bright eyes, no more singing, no more laughter, no more mistletoe hereafter. 1644 bans Christmas uh, because of its pagan origins, and then that was picked up by the Puritans in Massachusetts who didn't have Christmas for a full 22 years, believe it or not. Wow. That's good, good. Perhaps uh, the Christmas Carol Silent Night uh, might be something that you uh, have heard of and, and referring to. But during the Christmas truce of 1914, during World War One, soldiers on both sides of the Western Front spontaneously stopped fighting and sang the song Silent Night. Against their commander's orders, no one crossed the, uh, some people even crossed the no man's land to exchange gifts. And then they ended Christmas Day with a big soccer game. And right back at it, December 26th. But one of the most amazing uh, Christmas stories I've ever heard. That They literally stopped the war to sing Silent Night. 
That's amazing. It really tells you about the power of Christmas. I just read another fact that apparently 56 of Americans, 56% of Americans will sing Christmas songs to their pets. Have you ever heard of anything like that in other countries? <laughs> Is that yeah, I, th- I think it happens in my household, actually. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, it, it's one of those things that people love their pets. There, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, I, I you know, we see people dressing their pets, singing to their pets, talking to their pets as if they were children, uh, I think happens all the time. So not, not surprised it happens at Christmas. And of course, there's always people that actually wrap up the presents and give a present to their pet. And, you know, I guess it's just wishing they had more children. Uh, next question is, quick, from your perspective, do you think that the relationship between Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus, that any respectable woman would tolerate what Santa does? I mean, he basically runs a sweatshop of you know little <laughs> you know, elves that work 24 hours a day. He works one day a year, and the rest of the year, he, you know, he's sitting on his jolly big butt. So... Do you think it's possible for any respectable woman to tolerate that, let alone tolerate it for two or three hundred years? Well, presumably he brings her gifts. So I guess she can be bought is all I have to say to that one. But um, uh, again, I love your question. <laughs> I never thought of that one before. Mr. Meyer, I want to thank you so much for being with us. And for all of you out there that are looking for a great Christmas gift, highly recommend Stocking up on the Ripley's Believe It or Not books. You can find them on their website, ripleys.com. Mr. Mayer, I want to thank you so much. The new one is Unlock the Weird. makes a perfect Christmas gift. Thank you so much, Mr. Mayer, and I wish you and your family an incredible Merry Christmas. All right. Thank you. Happy holidays. Joining us now is Mr. Tom Denheiser, longtime senior producer of Coast to Coast AM, America's largest overnight radio show. You can learn more about Coast to Coast by going to their website at Coast to Coast AM or listening to them on one of their hundreds of affiliates across the U.S. Mr. Danheiser, great honor to have you with us today. Can you please uh, tell our audience about Coast to Coast AM's Holiday Magic Coast-style CD that you guys are selling? Hey, Ryan. Hey, how are you? How are you? And thank, thanks for giving me some time here today. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. So uh, in 2014, we came up with this idea we wanted to – help out some people we weren't sure how and one of my uh, favorite times ever is christmas time it's it's just a great time of year and people are a little a little more relaxed maybe you can be a little nicer during the year than you are during the year you know so so what are we going to do that could really help some folks and I, i'm pretty passionate about our vets so i thought what if i find some of our guests that can play instruments and sing and i put together this little holiday CD that's kind of a, you know, traditional, you could trim the tree listening to it. And uh, to my surprise, I found some folks that could really sing and play. So we we put this CD together and it lives on Amazon and 100% of the money goes to veterans hospitals throughout the United States. That's fantastic. And if you look at some of the tracks, you've got Mr. Nori, George Nori sings Come O Ye Faithful. You've got UFO Phil singing Blue Christmas and Pat Boone singing White Christmas. So you've got 18 different tracks orchestrated by 18 phenomenal experts and guests. I mean, this is something incredibly unique. And I will tell you, one of the, one of the surprises in putting this together is um, 
one of our one of our guests, his name is Jim Paris. He he does just an unbelievable uh, trumpet uh, with chestnuts. It's just an unbelievable what he does. I was really blown away by the talent of this guy. So that's one of the many songs on here that are just really great to listen to. Fantastic. And on Coast to Coast, you guys have explored so many aspects of uh, the unexplained, the paranormal. Have you ever focused on Santa Claus? Have you guys ever focused to see if Santa Claus does exist and explored how he's able to get to all the kids in one single night? Now, Ryan, I'm I'm assuming that you also have uh, listeners who are are kids, and uh, of course Santa exists. Come on. Yes. We actually what we do uh, we've done for the last two or three years now is we track Santa in the sky and where he's going and and so we can let people know you know from the beginning of the show where he is and we have the first hour we say where he is all the way to the end of the show and where Santa is and what he's up to. Now, are certain presidential candidates getting a good Christmas? Or are they getting cold? From what you from what your insiders are telling you, from your insiders that work with the elves. You know, you know, I, I think that um, everybody has their own opinion, and they all, you know, everybody wanted a certain candidate to win. Now that somebody has won, I think that we all just need to step back a little bit and and you know give the guy a chance. I'm not saying either candidate was the best thing since sliced bread, but what I am saying is now that we've gone through our process and we've put someone who will be in the office shortly. Let's give him a chance before we just, you know, completely freak out. That's that's what I think. And uh, last question I have for you, Mr. Danheiser, is what was your best Christmas memory of all time? My best Christmas memory of all time? That's a great question. I would have you. to say, because you're getting me here on the cuff and I haven't think about it very much, but I would have to say when I was a little kid, my aunt – would come up from San Diego and we'd play ping pong every holiday and she'd whoop me all the time. And there was one Christmas that I won and I was pretty darn happy about that. It's <laughs> a great Christmas memory. Mr. Tom Danheiser, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Tom Danheiser, again, senior producer of Coast to Coast AM, America's largest overnight radio program. You can learn more about Coast to Coast AM by going to their website at coasttocoastam.com, and you go right there. You can learn about Holiday Magic Coast Style, the CD, which benefits our veterans. We're going to put a link to it on our site. Mr. Dan Heiser, great pleasure and honor to have you with us on our Christmas show. Ryan, thank you so much. Happy holidays, everybody. Joining us now is Ms. Maria Catuso, energy worker, energy healer. You can learn more about Ms. Catuso by going to her website at thoughtinmotion.net. Ms. Catuso, can you tell us a little bit about your site, some of the work that you do, and why some of the work that you do could actually make a great Christmas gift? Yes, I can. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, Thoughtinmotion.net is a studio, creation studio out of Montclair, New Jersey, and we offer a lot of different things, energy healing, coaching, uh, focus tools things to help people create the life of their dreams, the life that they are trying to live but are maybe having a little bit of difficulty getting to it. So Thought in Motion helps to uh, give you 
tools to create that life. So you can go to the website and check out all the different things that we have, including coming to the, the facility um, in Montclair or going on site and buying things or buying the services through the site. So because people would say, oh, I'm looking to, to get more love in my life and I'm looking to attain more financial happiness. Do you have any tools that can be utilized to help a person attain either one of those two? Um, we have what's called iconology. Um, Jay Raginkos is the creator and owner of Thought in Motion, and she created uh, focused tools for anything and everything that you're trying to create. So um, the simplest thing I would say in terms of trying to create love in your life is a rose quartz crystal. You could come in and buy any crystal for anything that you're trying to create, and that's just one of the many, many focused tools that we have. But you mentioned love, and right away my, that's where my mind went to a uh, beautiful rose quartz crystal. And then in terms of finance, um, we have um, all kinds of different focus tools when it comes to finance. I think everybody is trying to create uh, more abundance in their life, but really what it is is trying to get your vibration into the uh, abundance stream. It's not necessarily focusing on money. It's raising your vibration. So that's really what we would try to maybe curve the arrow to and say, you know, how, how do you feel about money? And then uh, bringing a focus tool in to help you create a, a feeling that is more in line with abundance because that's really what you're ultimately trying to create, and that's what thought and motion represents. From your perspective, do you think that a person could give another person a gift, and where that gift is manufactured and made, despite the fact that it could provide a lot of joy, it could actually have a very low vibration? Because people think, for example, um, you think that people are giving each other iPhones and iPads, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can watch all my movies on this, yet... That iPhone or iPad, that was made in a, in a sweatshop where people's lives are, are ruined and there's so much pain and suffering. And I guess the question I'm asking is, do the same rules apply for consumer goods as, say, theories that would apply to when people are not supposed to eat meat or eating meat? You know, you, you consume the meat, you consume the pain and suffering. You consume the pain and suffering of consumer goods based on where they're created. Absolutely. Everything is vibration. Everything on the on the quantum scale is vibration. So when you get something, no matter where it comes from, um, a knowing of where it comes from is 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 important. But even if you don't, your intention to clear it is a pretty powerful thing. And you can clear just about anything. And the way that you perceive things is probably more important than clearing it because perceiving that type of suffering associated with technology and iPhones and production, and when you perceive it that way, you're actually adding to that vibration. So you need to come more from a more neutral perspective. So I would say, yes, you do You do have to worry about vibration, but not worry as much as intend to put the right vibration in it because it's all, everything is connected, everything. So, so you're, the way you feel about it is important. Right. Holiday season, sometimes people are very happy. Sometimes people get very sad. Are there any techniques that you advise some of the people that you work with who are very sad to, to kind of get in the a better mood and to, to raise their frequencies? Great question. The first thing that we would do with Thought and Motion when you come in is we would greet you, we will assess you, we map you out. And people are walking around with really heavy hearts right now. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anger. You don't need to go very far to find that. And when you come in and you are not creating the life that you want and you're vibrating at that type of frequency, what we do, the first thing that we would do is put you in, in our output room 
where you go into a, a room and you literally output all of that frustration because uh, we do everything with purpose. So you're not going to come in and complain and we're going to sit and listen to you and tell you how sad that is. We're going to say, great, let's go and output it. And when you do that, what you essentially are doing is taking that low vibration thought and the layers of emotion that are that you're carrying, you're putting it out, you're seeing it in 3D. And what we can basically do as energy workers is now that we have that out, we can go in and fill that space with light. We can literally move that out of the energy system and put light in. So someone that someone that comes into thought and motion that has sadness, I guarantee you will not leave with sadness. We we guarantee that you will leave uh, thought and motion happier than when you came in. Guarantee is a very strong word. There are some people out there that are determined to be miserable. So I'm not going to say guarantee, but we we certainly put forth a very high vibration because we do the work ourselves. And I welcome anyone to come to Thought and Motion um, to learn how to navigate their lives a little bit better and feel better. Absolutely. Go from sad to at least neutral. Absolutely. That's exciting. Now, how do you offer a gift like this to a person who's doesn't really believe in it? Thinks, oh, you know, what is this? You know, what it's freaky. What, what is this? You know, what, what do you think of really doing? How do you convince someone, or let someone know that? No, believe it or not, this is actually this is a phenomenal gift, and this is much better than an iPhone or an iPad or, or a Mercedes or a Ferrari or a trip to the Caribbean. Well, that's a that's that's a great that's interesting what you just said. Now, I don't mind having those expensive things because if you have your own self worth and your own self value, and you've worked really hard for something, and you you want something, you should feel good about having it. You don't want to put so much pressure on people that are out there having good things and expensive things um, and making them feel bad about it because there's a lot of judgment. So if someone has something like that, terrific, let them have it. But if you want to try something different, um, yeah, come for a Reiki session. Uh, Reiki is, is a hands-on healing modality. We It makes you feel like you just had a, a, a sleep for four hours. It's the most uh, relaxing thing that, that you can do and you don't need to believe in anything you could just come in and and get a little energy work and um, see what we do is it's all based on results so you cannot believe it but you will feel it you will have results if you apply the lessons that we teach um, the results speak for themselves so your belief is important but we want to give you an experience to uh, open up your mind a little bit more to maybe something that you've never considered before. So if you're completely closed-minded, then maybe you just want to try a Reiki um, session or go online and, and read some of the information that we have. But if you have a little bit more interest and you know anything about energy work, come in and let us take you on a journey of exploring who you are. You're going to be the explorer in your journey to find out who you are. And we just help you with your thoughts to make sure that you're right on track and on target um, and we hold you accountable for your for your experiences. Um, and how we do that is just by basically encouraging you and and stuff. So it, it's a lot more than a, a gadget uh, could ever give you. That's wonderful, Miss Maria Catuso. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. To learn more about Miss Catuso and learn more about Thought in Motion, please go to the website at thoughtinmotion.net. Miss Catuso, thank you so much, and have an unbelievable. Happy Christmas. Thank you. Many blessings, Ryan. Thank you to your listeners. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Have a great holiday. Welcoming back to the program, Mr. Jeff Casper and Ms. Yona Brindis. They are energy coaches. They are energy healers. 
we could not have an appropriate Christmas show without them. And you can learn more about Jeff Yona by going to their website at transcodes.com. Ms. Brindis, Mr. Casper, welcome back to the program. Hey, Ryan. Thank you for having us here. It is a great honor to have you both. Can you please tell our audience today about the program, the ongoing energy work that you guys are running right now, the programs that you have? Well, we have two main programs. One is a self-teaching course um, where we compiled pretty much everything that we've learned about energy work, energy healing in the last 10, 15 years. It's called Sacred Self-Healing. It's a 24-step um, online course mm-hmm. with, uh, with online coaching. And then uh, we have a program that we call the Heart Warrior Program, which is a, um, a, a spiritual boot camp, as some call <laughs> it, uh, where we have sort of pre-selected sessions um, uh, weekly coaching, energy coaching, and um, energetic clearings and so forth lined up for a person um, within the 90-day intense program. So that's not for everyone. That requires a little bit of commitment here. Um, but um, it, over the course of the years, we've noticed that there are people who really like um, getting a, a sort of a, a pre-selected program and, uh, and like the fact that they're accompanied the entire time. Um, other than that, you know, we have um, uh, uh, various uh, degrees of uh, sort of a la carte modalities that people can pick and choose whenever they feel like they want to work on something. And I want to bring to everyone's attention that I recently went through your Heart Warrior program, and it was a beautiful, credible experience. I felt there were um, a lot of great things that were happening. One of the things you can look forward to is when you're doing the program is you do these transmissions where what you'll do is you'll download music and a, a heart a heartbeat or a theta metronome, if you want to call that. You listen to it, and you'll basically kind of plug into the energy field that Jeff and Yona are creating and when you dock, it's incredible. I mean, you, you can actually um, experience and feel certain energies coming in. And I can't emphasize enough how um, how wonderful and great experience it was. Thank you for doing this. This is the main objective, is for people to experience their own self-healing ability. Our, our system, our energy system, yeah. um, is way more intelligent than, than we think it is because we are so conditioned to believe only in the things that we can see. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can, uh, you know, that we have evidence for. But when it comes to subtle energies, and uh, I think most of your listeners will agree, um, because you know, you speak to the audience that has energetic sensitivity that that that, that perceives things beyond just um, what uh, you know the eye provides. Uh, then um, it's really important to discover uh, these higher powers that we all have in us. Uh, in a lot of cases, uh, if not all, it's really just a chipping away of what's in between our um, uh, my mental perception um, and um, our um, a deeper energetic perception. So the, the main objective is about um, actually having experiences like mm-hmm. you just described it and to see what you, you can do. There's a lot we can do to support our own healing, to get through things that um, are challenging. Okay, and I was wondering, there is one part of the Heart Warrior program I've brought up to your attention before, but I want to let uh, people listening know. I loved, it's it's called a group 
soul karma clearing session. And what you do is you're in a meditative state and you're basically communicating with seven generations back and taking from each generation your ancestors, all the wonderful, beautiful things, and you're kind of putting aside all the negative things. Can you please elaborate on that particular type of healing, how that works, and why somebody would see a, a benefit to that? Well, the whole trick with that one is really the whole purpose, we'd say, is, is, is to go into each generation and to, to break up those patterns that we take on. You know, there's karmic generations, there's the collective aspects, so as we begin to break those down, what happens is it lightens our load. It's, it's letting go of the things that no longer serve us. And as that occurs, it, we actually stop that duplication, the duplication of the patterns that can limit us, that can hurt us, that can harm us. You're not letting go of the people. You're letting go of the things that no longer are needed. And as that occurs, what happens is you actually begin to feel a lessening of your load, a, a, light, a lightness of being, and then moving forward as you keep working through what comes up and you keep letting go, now you're not now you're not propelling those further. No, they're not going further into your generation. So your children can learn from it and so forth. People around you can see that you've let go of certain things. It, it helps a person to reframe um, the understanding of karma and karmic um, debt, what this is. So the way we see it from an energetic standpoint is not uh, necessarily as a punitive thing. We right. see karma um, in many different layers, and one of these layers is... Um, uh, uh, karmic uh, aspects or aspects that were not resolved um, in our previous from uh, by our previous generations that had to be passed on to the next generation, and uh, it's it's a it's a mixture of a shamanic and Native American uh, healing modality. For many people, probably one of the single most um, liberating processes because there are so many things in our life that we can sort of trace back to how things were uh, propagated through our family and so forth and they're not all bad but sometimes it requires us to um, uh, cut these ties to some of the values the family values or the family um, opinions to find our own and, and then to come back and to see what are the things that, that are really good and, and that work for me and what are the things that I do not want to take on from my karmic family, which is uh, what, what you said, the extended um, ancestral lineage um, uh, back seven generations. So the idea behind that is that there's sort of a seven-generation um, inheritance um, uh, process, and if we can um, disrupt that, that propagation, of karmic patterns within us, then we're actually um, uh, helping to liberate our children from um, uh, taking on our unresolved is issues. Right, so you're actually preventing your children, future grandchildren, I guess, from taking on your own uh, shortcomings or family karma. I mean, they still have to go through their own um, karma. Everyone, everyone comes in with a different karmic purpose. But there are aspects, that, uh, Jeff mentioned that, you know, that we take on through the collective, so that we take on through our family, family lineage, and, and they sort of add to the load. And so by liberating us from some of the aspects that um, uh, can uh, um, uh, be cleared uh, we're lightening the load and then um, we can tend to our personal karma um, which then ultimately can be transcended as well so uh, this is a good, very good example for, for one of these a la carte modalities that I mentioned 
there are processes that pretty much everyone, like core processes that pretty much everyone um, uh, experiences uh, this lightening of the load, of the energetic load that, that we carry with. And the, the karmic family clearing is one of them. There's a, um, other um, uh, processes that we recorded. So these are not just music. These are actual energy processes that a person does during during this um, uh, uh, transmission. But they, they're designed for them to repeat them on their own. To work through this bit by bit. Miss Yona Brindis and Mr. Jeff Casper, energy coaches, energy healers. It's a great honor to have you with us on our Christmas show. To learn more about Mr. Jeff Casper and Miss Yona Brindis, please go to their website, transcodes.com. Please sign up for their Heart Warrior program, and their other programs are fantastic. Have an unbelievable Merry Christmas to you both. Yes, you, you too. And to, um, for all listeners, um, have a wonderful um, a holiday. And try to remember your light. That's what you're celebrating in that time. Okay, everyone. The next four interviews we're going to present will be the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show Virtues. Carrie O'Connor, Laura Lynn, Lisa Casa, and Constance Dallas. They are going to perform a forensic soul analysis on Santa Claus. They're going to look at his past lives. They're going to do his astrological chart. They're going to look inside his soul, find out all kinds of information. This has never been presented to an audience before. So if you're listening, you're getting exclusive firsthand information about the life and soul of Santa Claus. Joining us now is the queen of the universe, and I actually respect the psychic medium, Miss Carrie O'Connor. If you learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor, get a reading done with Miss Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about Mr. Santa Claus? Mr. Santa Claus is a jolly old soul. <laughs> the energy He's fat. of Santa he knows, the, he knows where the bad girls live, too. I, he knows if you're naughty or nice. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, what I love about Santa Claus, and I was I laughed when I um, I read your uh, your question, or saying that we're doing Santa Claus. I thought, you know what? This is perfect because the spirit or the energy of Santa Claus, there is an energy or you could say an entity. Whenever we think about something and we put our heart into it and think of all these little kids believing and putting their love to it, it does form an energy, right? And so the Santa Claus energy, you could say, comes in with the, the I don't want to call it necessarily the Christ consciousness, but it, it's on a, on a line of that. It's reminding the energy that aligns, it aligns us to be childlike, to believe, to have hope, and gift giving, and giving, and, and you know, the balance of giving and receiving. And that's the energy of Santa Claus coming in from that heart space. I always speak of the sacred heart space in this lifetime in particular. All of humanity is to learn how to get into that space, and that's when we really embody and embrace our true nature, and we radiate that out from the inside out. So you could say that Santa Claus is that. He radiates his true divine nature of giving, receiving, belief, especially now when a lot of people are having a hard time believing or having even high hopes or optimism, right? A lot of people, really, um, their foundation is shaking right now across the world. So Santa Claus gives us, allows us to be the child and really activates, but not the wounded child where most of us can get stuck in that wounded aspect, but connects to what I call the divine child. And that gives us the doorway to, to our divine self, our true divine nature. And that's the energy of Santa Claus. 
so Santa Claus is in one way, shape, a trigger. So if you focus on Santa Claus, it can trigger you back into that state of childhood happiness I, before yes. there were bills and you know crazy. Yes, stuff. exactly. And the biggest word I see over Santa Claus, and this changed when I read it just yesterday, was the word believe. And so right now, as of today, when we're taping the energy of Santa Claus, a lot of people want to believe and have hope again and have that, you know, that innocence of, of just excitement of the the wonder of it all. Like when we're two or three years old, I ask my grandson, what do you want to do? I want to fly to Jupiter and I'm here, you know, I'm here, I went to Mars last night. And he is so, and, and he believed it. And he's like, like outside, I'm looking, I'm waiting for a meteor. But he's, 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 you know, three years old, three and a half. And his parents don't shut him down. And he says, if he wants to be president of Jupiter, all right, he's president of Jupiter. We get him an outfit or what are you, know, what are you going to wear? Or how are you going to rule? You know? <laughs> and, um, and that's the, that's the Santa Claus energy. It gives us hope. It has us believe. And again, the innocence. And, and, and as you say, before all the bills come in and life comes in and, and reality sets in, it activates that divine nature within all of us. Uh, now, the person who actually was Santa Claus, I'm just curious, did that person reincarnate into another lifetime uh, or significant lifetime by chance? Or is it, has that person completed, that soul completed its evolutionary cycle in the human form? I see that that person was more of a star being, and the star beings do not come down here a lot. They okay. um, come down here for a purpose, and then they, they leave. He could have had one uh, as a female, and as I'm seeing the healer, and it's connected to um, over in France. But uh, no, I'm just not not a lot. Star beans don't come down a lot. Wow, Miss Carrie O'Connor, I want to thank you for that wonderful analysis on Santa Claus. To learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor, and to give yourself and someone a phenomenal gift for reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor. Please go to our website at carrieoconnor.com. Thank you so much, Miss O'Connor. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Ryan. It's always my pleasure. Thank you. Joining us now is the Astro Phenom, our astrologer, Miss Constance Dallas. You can learn more about Miss Constance Dallas and get a reading with Miss Constance Dallas by going to her website at constancedallas.com. Miss Dallas, what can you tell us about Santa Claus's astrological chart reading? Well, there's certainly a the most unique question. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with this? Because no one really knows um, when Santa was born. But what we do know is that the image of the gift-giving Santa comes from St. Nicholas, who was a Christian ascetic saint um, born in um, Patara, Turkey, in 270 A.D., And his parents died when he was very young, and he had some inheritance. And he would give it away, especially to women who didn't have dowries. And he would sneak in the night and put the the, um, gold or the money in their houses. And then he was caught by one person, and his legend grew as someone who helped the poor and the needy. Okay, fast forward. Um, pagan times and Christian times overlapped, and of course we're very focused on the solstice, December 21st, which regardless of religion or or non-religion or whatever, marks the um, um, point that the sun begins its climb back to the light, to the summer. 
So right now we're in the dark, dark, dark days leading to December 21st. And so the birth of the light was kind of convenient to put together with the birth of Christ, if you're a Christian, because that was showing us the light. So everything kind of got amalgamated. And Santa Claus actually began with um, resonances from St. Nicholas. But when I Googled astrology chart for Santa Claus, what the, the mastermind Google came up with was December 23rd, 1823, in New York, because that is when Samuel Clemens wrote and published The Night Before Christmas, which was our image of Santa Claus, this jolly guy. Uh, who comes down chimneys and gives gifts to good children. Well, the most amazing thing is when you look at this chart, it it is a, a um, beautiful uh, and apt and accurate depiction of all the goodness and generosity of Christmas. So we have uh, the sun in Capricorn, which is the coming of the light, the moon in Virgo, which is very, very much involved with um, what is correct and good and generous and hardworking. So Santa and his sleigh certainly are hardworking. And then the relationship between the sun, Jupiter, Mars, and Pluto makes what's called a grand cross. So uh, this chart really moves into myth. And that is what um, Samuel Clemens created for us, Santa Claus, Kris Kringle, Father Christmas, many, many different names. And this holiday now is celebrated all over the world. They celebrate it in Japan. It's not religiously connected, but it's a spirit of generosity. So I can say definitively that we don't know <laughs> when Santa Claus was born, <laughs> but... This this chart is pretty darn good. So I would say he's a Capricorn and all about the birth of um, generosity and the spirit of, of Christmas. And Neptune, of course, not of course, uh, Neptune is very high in the chart. And Neptune personifies the spiritual gifts and the desire to believe. And I am sure that every single child in the United States remembers the moment when said, no Santa Claus, and, and had that kind of transition from a believing person to a, a shocked person. Um, but still, as it was explained to me, and I'm sure that parents will explain to their children on into the uh, you know, future, it's the spirit of Christmas. So that's what I have to say about Santa Claus. Ms. Constance, tell us. I want to thank you. That was a great analysis on Santa Claus. Really great, great job, and I uh, really appreciated <laughs> everything you brought out. It's just very well well done. To thank learn you. more about Ms. Constance, tell us. And to either get yourself or get your, give someone a great gift of reading with Ms. Constance, tell us, please go to our website at ConstanceDellis.com. Thank you so much, Ms. Dellis. My pleasure. Merry Christmas to all. Excellent. Joining us now is the clairvoyant cowgirl, psychic empath, Miss Lisa Kaza. To learn more about Miss Kaza and get a reading with Miss Kaza, please go to her website at lisakaza.com. Miss Kaza, 
we're focusing our attention right now on Santa Claus. I was wondering if you happened to pick up anything about who Santa Claus was in a previous lifetime. In a previous lifetime? Right. That uh, is actually going way beyond my <laughs> my ability. <laughs> All right, well, let's take another one. Has Santa Claus reincarnated? Since, no. Uh, no? No, I'll cut you off right there. The spirit, like, I, firstly, I'll, I'll back the truck up for a second. Um, he was real. Uh, he was a real person at one point. Definitely, of course, not with the appearance that, of course, everyone portrays him to be. <laughs> but um, he did do a lot of good in the world when he was alive. But we're, you know, we're going back like thousands of years. And, you know, he would do that. He would give the gifts and the good cheer and, and his, the tradition lived on through his spirit. Now, I like I said, I do not feel that he has been re- reincarnated, nor do I feel that he ever will. Um, it, it, the best way for me to describe the energy is that of him being more so of a a patron saint kind of thing. Um, so mainly just to like a that's the best way for me to describe it. Like it, and he prefers to be that um, more of a of a patron saint or, or guide that kind of thing, but on a global level. Of course, and that's that's where I see his spirit is ultimately remaining because he at this point the spirit actually believes that it would do more or try to do more good in this world by guiding people and you know trying to teach them things such as unconditional love and unconditional acceptance and joy and while well, all of the the emotions that really uh encompass and can relate to the holiday season so he feels that he's he's better off up there and try to teach down here in that manner as opposed to a more material or physical means now uh, the idea about santa claus is to say well you know if you're if you're a good person that santa claus brings you gifts and if you're bad he brings you coal is that something that the person who was santa claus would actually do or is that something that was just made up? No, by that's parents? just something. That's right. You got it. That's, that's, it there's no like it, like I just finished saying unconditional love, unconditional acceptance. Um, you know, him bringing lumps of coal. Uh, if we're bad, <laughs> that's purely something that's been made up. And I do think, like you know, for, to keep the the kids in line. <laughs> for x amount of days or hours it's got nothing to do with with um santa claus himself or his spirit it's actually quite frowned upon if you ask me right when a number of people commit their belief to something regardless if it is a real person or it is an object but they are giving their time attention and energy to it if enough people do that for a prolonged period of time, can the thing that they're focusing their, their attention on kind of become consciousness or become born within consciousness and have a life of its own? And I ask you about that because I'm wondering if, if Santa Claus 
the essence and the spirit of Santa Claus uh, beyond the person himself is an actual essence and energy and consciousness born from the um, consciousness of humanity. I would have to say yes. However, uh, the thing is you have to consider the concept of a of free will. Even um, spirits <laughs> have free will, and you can't mess with that. So, you know, even though you can have thousands upon thousands of people focusing on this essence or this energy, your spirit, if the spirit doesn't want to manifest or, you know, as as you say, then it's not going to happen, okay. basically. Yeah, but it, it's it can happen, but it's almost like for, in order for the human mind to understand it, it's uh, the best way for me to explain it is like you having a, a conversation with another person trying to talk somebody into doing something begging and pleading <laughs> that's basically what you you be up against especially with with this spirit in particular um he, i do feel a lot uh, i don't want to say stu- stubbornness cause that's not the right word but the best way to describe it, they're pretty steadfast in terms of their position. Um, and I don't blame them, really. Um, I think that uh, it knows what it's doing. <laughs> Miss Lisa Caza, the clairvoyant cowgirl. Thank you so much for your great analysis on Santa Claus. To learn more about Miss Lisa Caza and to get a reading of Miss Lisa Caza, please go to her website at lisacaza.com. Thank you so much, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, Ryan. Merry Christmas to you, too. And that concludes the Forensic Soul Analysis on Saturday. On our second so annual Christmas show, have two we don't take ourselves too seriously, and we think that we should program. spice up the fun by bringing in an expert, a very unique expert. His name is Mr. Stuart Goldstein, and this gentleman has just ingested enough cannabis to put Snoop Dogg in a coma for three years. This gentleman has done this because we're going to get the cannabis perspective on Christmas. I don't think any other show has it out there. Mr. Stuart Goldstein, thank you so much for your great sacrifice for our show, and welcome to the program, sir. Thank you for having me. Long-time listener. Excited to be Thank you. Now, so far, since you've ingested all the cannabis, how many pizzas have you ordered so far? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. There's a stack of boxes next to me, but it's kind of infringing on my diet. <laughs> okay. And we're talking a little bit about Christmas. You've okay. seen so many Christmas movies. You've watched them sober, and you've gone through this great length to watch them now under a trem- after ingesting a tremendous amount of cannabis. How do the Christmas movies vary between sobriety and under on the influence of cannabis, and what do you see on cannabis that you can't see if you're sober? Well, I've enjoyed them for the most part sober, but on cannabis, they're 10 times more entertaining. And the amount of hidden messages I like to, you know, try and find in these movies are just astronomical. Okay. So is there any particular message that has stuck out in your mind where you were just completely blown away and that you could not believe you came to that conclusion? Yes. If you are not the perfect little boy or girl, Santa is like Jesus. He will smite you, and you will get nothing. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. First off, I like to think that maybe Santa isn't really Santa. Maybe Santa is Jesus, 
Yeah, kind of like how, you know, Garth Brooks was really Chris Gaines. Maybe it's like that. That, you know, Jesus is doing cosplay as Santa. Wow, never thought about that. So maybe you're thinking that, you know, maybe, you know, we think about Elvis. Jesus Elvis is really young. Yeah, Elvis, Elvis yeah. young, and then the end of his career got bigger. So you're thinking that maybe, what, that Jesus actually could be Santa Claus? Uh, you know what? Has anyone ever thought about that? Uh, tell me, <laughs> Uh, how do you see the Christmas lights? Do you see do the lights look different, differently? Do the Christmas cookies taste better? Are you mm. able to tolerate Christmas carolers more? What is the genuine difference between, be you know? Quite and, honest, I'd like to field that last one right off the bat. Christmas carolers. Um, yeah, you know, I've always had an issue with them. Even as a young child, I always thought there was something wrong with them dressing up like, you know, Charles Dickens, walking around neighborhoods and singing the same song over and over and over and over. Like, what, it's been hundreds of years. You can't learn new material? Honestly, you can't dress a little, you know, more modern. We're trying to bring it back into ye old day. Why? Ye old day was terrible. There was cholera and dysentery and... You know, most people did not have a warm place to to you know, sleep at night. That was just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Goldson, we have one final question for you, sir. Is that yes, you please. have a reputation as being known as the mayor. People are not aware oh, of but yes. you, but you've actually written and passed legislation through the <laughs> House of Representatives, the Senate. Uh, you, you know, you passed through various UN treaties that have gotten, you know, been praised internationally. You started an international uh, rescue the children's fund. Uh, you've also been a big fan and advocate of the orca whales, and you've saved thousands of them. So I want to thank you very much for doing that. It's very wonderful of you. And you know, because you've done all these great things, I was wondering if you would please explain what your three proposed changes and new laws for Christmas would be, sir. Oh, the Christmas, yes, yes. Um, as much as I love hearing people say Merry Christmas and all that, I believe everyone should just say good holidays. Okay. Because saying Merry, just, you know, sometimes it seems a little too forceful. Like, like you're instructing someone to no matter what, be as happy as you freaking can. But if someone says good holidays, hey, good holidays, that's not a bad thing. Mr. Stuart Goldstein. This yes, gentleman sir. has just put his body, mind, and soul through the ringer in order to present the cannabis perspective on Christmas. I loved it. Thank you so much for being with us, and have an Thank unbelievable good Christmas, sir. Good holiday. You too. Our special guest today on the Outer Limits of Intitude Radio Show is Santa Claus. Wait, what? We don't have Santa <laughs> Claus. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Donald Trump has deported Santa Claus. Apparently, he was committing some crimes, breaking into people's houses, spying on you. You know, so he, he doesn't have the right. He doesn't have a. He doesn't have a clearance from Homeland Security. It was simple as that. Correct. They're asking However, for his papers. Yep, standing in for Santa Claus is oh, Santa good. Claus's long lost brother, Shoot Claus. <laughs> Daryl Shoot Claus is with right. us. Yes. To learn more about our incredible guest who's going to talk about the true meaning of Christmas, please go to his website at drshoon.com. Mr. Santa Shoon. Shoon Claus, welcome to the program. Hi, Ryan. It's good to be back. Good to be back. You You know, it's it's really interesting. um, 
when you, you, you sent me this email saying you wanted to talk, uh, you know, you want to do an interview, end of the year interview or whatever it was, you know, because last year you did it, it was about predictions for 2017, all right, or 2016, you did it last year. And this year you said, uh, how about for the topic, the true meaning of Christmas, all right? Now, let me tell you about how synergistic, how synergistic that topic was. At the time you, I got your email, I was reading a website called Christ Has Returned. All right? <laughs> now, now, yeah, you wanted your topic, your proposed topic for this interview was the real meaning of Christmas. Okay? Well, there's a website out there. There's right, there was nine letters. It's called Christ Letters. If you Google it, you'll find it. Christ Letters. All right? And I ran across Christ Letters. Yeah, I ran across this stuff nine years, you know, uh, last year. All right? And I've been into metaphysics for a long, long, long time. All right? Um, I mean, when you're 71 and you start poking around real early, that means you've done it a long time. All right? I mean, you may be 25, and to you, you've been in a long time, but how, how much longer have you done it? You're only 20 years, 25 years old, right? Be that as it may, I've been looking at metaphysics for a long, long, long time, and this question of Jesus is a real interesting one because it keeps cropping up, all right? I remember, Ryan, when I was a kid, you know, I really didn't know what was going on, and, and, and so I, 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 I remember I, I decided to try and find out what was going on. I knew something was going on. And so I decided I'll read the Bible. I, I grew up a Baptist, American Baptist, all right? So I start reading the Bible, and it's really boring, all right? And, and so I, I'm flipping through this thing, and I, the only part I remember that I liked was the stories of Jesus, the four Gospels. And I, all I remember is I liked it. They had a nice feeling to them. As far as believing them, how did I know? I mean, I went to Sunday school every week and did sermons and stuff like that, but that's, that's like somebody telling you about um, quantum mechanics. You have no real experience of it. It's a story. All right. Now, some people, they've heard that story so much, they think they believe it. All it is is, is an ingrained loop. If they've been born in, in the Middle East, all right, instead of believing in, 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 in this version, the American Baptist version of Jesus' thing, they would have been in, in, inculcated into Muhammad's version of Jesus Christ. What people don't realize is that Muhammad absolutely believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and he went around, told everybody, and now, you know, basically the Middle East is, the, is their version of, of the Mormons, all right? Joseph Smith also believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and he went around and, and, and spread Mormonism, or what we call Mormons, which is their version of Jesus, all right? The, 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 the Muslims is the Middle Eastern, their version of the Jesus story through Muhammad, okay? So I, that, that's where I'm at. I, I read it, blah, 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 okay? Then I go along my merry way, and I start getting closer and closer to the truth, all right? I become a hippie, do all these things, lot of stuff. But what happens is I went across this website last year called Christ Has Returned, and I look at it. I look at all this stuff with like, hey, come on, all right? I mean, you got it after all these years. I mean, if you're on the Internet, somebody's going to be selling you something, and it's generally their opinion, all right? And the truth is, Ryan, we've all got our opinion. All right. So for somebody to come along and shove your opinion aside with their opinion, it's going to take some doing. All right. So that's why most people who are up in the Internet, they're not looking for another opinion. They're looking for an opinion that makes their opinion seem right. All right. So if you believe in the Illuminati and the dark forces and, uh, and, and the new world order is going to come get you, you're going to go <laughs> and look for evidence 
of anything that says you're right. All right? Now, if you believe that in another point of view, you're going to go look for totally opposite stuff. Everybody's looking not for what they think is the truth. They're looking for something that makes them believe that whatever they already got their handle on is the truth. All right? So this, but this topic of Jesus is really controversial because of Jesus. Right? And not even because of Jesus, but because of the story surrounding him and the effect on the world. All right? I mean, most of the wars fought since Jesus was allegedly born and crucified have been fought over him. A man called the Prince of Peace, and millions have died. It's kind of ironic, said, isn't it? Uh, okay, hey, this is human nature. I want to give you another thing of irony. I always feel it's kind of ironic that like the whole there's a whole church built upon Jesus, and he, I think he was completely against the church. Like, why would you? I just don't understand it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't come here to start a church. He came here to do whatever he did. Now, this is what was fascinating when I ran into the website Christ's Letters. All right, the story behind it, Ryan, was this: in night, in, in, in a lady who was, uh, you know, she was born in England. And, and she, 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 she remembered the first experience she had, which was not normal. She said it was when the Germans were bombing England, okay? And she and her mother were praying because the bombs were falling. They were praying that the Germans would, you know, die, all this stuff like that. And she heard a voice. And the voice said, this is the wrong prayer. The Germans are doing exactly what your English soldiers are doing. They're just doing it for a different reason. All right? They think they're right. You think you're right. You should be praying that those bombs don't fall on anybody, anywhere. She remember that. Wow. I mean, this voice comes to her, all right? And she's a little, she's a girl, little girl. And she said, what happened is sort of remarkable that she's growing up and she evidently ends up in South Africa. She's married and she has all these traumas in, you know, in her life like all of us do. Okay, and but she said she had a firm belief in Jesus Christ, and so she asked for help, and she began to think that that she was being helped because she had asked Jesus for help, and this help was coming. She said this in no way prepared her for the year in 2000. Ryan, she's 80 years old. Her name is locked in. She won't give it out because she she says the story's not about her. At 80 years old, she hears Jesus' voice, and he said, "Okay, now is the time." I've been preparing you to take dictation on my nine letters. This is the year 2000, and he nine letters, and this is what he said. Everything that's been written about me basically is not true. It's a version of events that did happen, but the version gives a totally skewed opinion of what happened. All right? And what he said is this. He, he was, in a short form, let me tell you, because you just go, go read for yourself. Christ returns, Christ's letters, there's nine letters, they're up on the web. The book is, free, you can get it for free, you can buy the book. It's been translated in six languages so far. But this is what he said, short form, okay? When he's born, he said, I don't know why, but my mother always thought I was the Messiah. Okay? I just always thought he was the Messiah. But he was really strong-willed, all right? And, and, he, and he really didn't like the rabbis. Because he said these, these rabbis, the priests, were always yelling at these people, telling them that they should do this, they should do that. And he said, life seemed hard enough without these guys screaming at them, trying to make it harder, saying they're not following the rules and they ought to pay more money, the, the temple and stuff like that. He, he, so he was sort of disgusted with it, all right? And so he, he basically spent his youth sort of hanging out. He said, I hung out with prostitutes. I only worked when I had to, you know? And he said, this is what I did. And he said, I argued a lot. I argued a lot. 
right? And then he said he hit his early 20s, and he thought, you know what? I really haven't done much with my life. Right? He, he knew he was a disappointment to his mother. He certainly hadn't become the Messiah by any time. And he never thought he was the Messiah anyway. His mother had that idea, all right? So what Jesus said he did was he had heard about this guy, John the Baptist, going around baptizing people. So his idea was he was going to go get baptized, you know, for whatever that was. You know, he didn't know what to Get baptized, and he was going to go back to Beth, where he was born, I think, Nazareth or wherever. Yeah, it was Jesus of Nazareth. That's where his hometown was, right? And then he was going to go show up at his mom's and be nice. All right? This is what he said. And he thought people were going to say, boy, isn't Jesus nicer? Because <laughs> he had gotten off his high horse. He decided to quit arguing and just mellow out. All right? What he said happened was totally off the charts. Wait, was he born on he, December 25th, or is that is that just some... Uh, no, no, that's all, that's all made up, all right? He, that, has, that has nothing to do with the story, all right? Because he, he doesn't even say that. I mean, that's just, you know, this, you, you, you got to realize that the Gospels were written 100 years after his lifetime. 100 years, Ryan. Now, Ryan, let's say, you, you, let's say you're living now, and, and you are, okay? And 100 years from now, you're famous, and somebody wants to write your life. There's all these stories circulating about you because you, somehow you did something. Now, how accurate are the stories going to be? A hundred years from now, they wrote them down. All right? Nobody dictated it. There wasn't any shorthand. You know, they were like, what the hell? So this is the deal. They were written a hundred years later. So what he said happened was this. And this is really, really important. He said that he went to get baptized by John the Baptist. He just thought it was going to be this deal. Then he was going to go home and mellow out and be nice to people instead of arguing all the time. He said when he hit that water, Ryan, all of a sudden, he got it. It was like this, the heavens opened up. All of a sudden, he just got this feeling of pure energy running through him. I mean, it just took him out of the box. He said he stumbled out of the water and went into what they call the, 60, the days in the desert, okay? He said all this crap about being tempted by Satan was not true. He said the closest thing to that was his ego. Right? But it wasn't like Satan and trying to – that had nothing to do with it. He said what happened when he, when he stumbled out of that water and went to the desert, he saw how it all was. He said he saw that this world is, is not solid. He said he saw that this world was just energy, moving, moving, moving so fast. And he saw that his thoughts changed things. He said, as when he started doubting, he said he saw this great vision. And then when he started doubting, the vision went, started disappearing. And he realized then how powerful his thoughts were. So when he let go and the vision came back, it was extraordinary. He said he saw that this whole thing that we were in was one huge magnetic, almost electronic energy field full of love that took care of itself. That, that just was, it was just it was love. It was self-creating, self-perpetuating, and, and, and it just maintained itself. And he said he saw that that was the purpose of this, of creation. And then he said he saw how his thoughts messed with it. And then he realized that's why life was the way it was. Because human beings have the power in their minds to screw the thing up, and we did. Whatever we believed changed the perfection of creation. And he said he was given the knowledge that this was part of free will, that that was how we were going to learn, that this was just part of the deal. 
But he, and he said when he stumbled out of the desert, he said, God, now i got the answer. Now I can tell people. He said, that's how he could heal. He said when he went back to that core, I forgot I was, he went back to that core, he said the power came through him and he could heal. He said that's how powerful the download was. That's how powerful the experience. He was at the core of the center of it all, and he realized he now had the answer, and he could now tell people. So he went back. Nobody believed him. <laughs> what, they, what they did witness was his miracles. That's what they witnessed. All right? I mean, all that stuff, the healings and stuff, those were true. And he did that to show people. And so, so, uh, so that's what the deal was. It was so powerful that this is what he found. He said, now I have the keys and I have to heal this stuff. I know why we're living like this. I know why the world is like this. It's not what people thought. It's not some God who's up there telling people what to do and he gets pissed off and he sends down these horrible things. He said, the reason why he used the word father instead of God was that everything, the father was the source of things. So he said he, said he knew that the universe was the source of everything. He really wanted to use father, mother. But he knew how male-oriented the Jewish religion was, so he just used the word father. Because he said the mother aspect, the feminine aspect, was just as much a part of it as the male was. But he had to cool it out because of, he knew what he was dealing with. And he said, really, that's what screwed up the, this, the, the New Testament. He said his disciples were so focused on trying to convince the Jews that he was the Messiah, basically, they just wrote down it in a way that hopefully would sort of convince the people then that he was the real deal. And that's all it was. He said the idea that he died for people's sins was a pile of crap. He never said it. It wasn't true. He said what he was really opposed to were the animal sacrifices of the temple. He said that's what the Jews were doing. They paid their animal sacrifices of the temple. He said the idea that his sacrifice for the redemption of humanity was just another iteration of that. Uh, there was never any guilt. There was never any judgment. There was never any of that that he intended to say. And he said, this is why he's come back. This is why he's written the letters. And he said, this is going to set the record straight. And he said, after 2,000 years, people may be, you know, we may be ready to listen to it. Right. He said, basically, he, Buddha, Muhammad, all the people who knew the truth were all saying the same thing. He said, what people did with what they said screwed everything up. Power people. Religion, trying to get their own little bag going against somebody else. And that's, that's, that's what the nine letters are. They're amazing. They're so amazing. You, what message would you say that is the true meaning of Christmas, if you were to summarize it? The true meaning of Christmas is, is that he came here, all right, and he got a revelation of the truth, all right, that he got. He, this is what was special about him. He got a full revelation of the truth about who we are, not who he was, because he said he was no different than us. The only difference was he got the revelation. And the revelation didn't say he was special and we weren't. We're all that he is. He said the only difference between us and him is that he said, no, he said I, we all come from the same source. And that source is like, is like, a, is like a ever powerful renewing source of energy and love that we can all tap into. We're connected to it, but when you don't believe it, you can't get it. Okay. Your beliefs, your beliefs form the, the, the aperture to which you're able to get the download. And most people's beliefs are so screwed up that they're getting nothing. They're getting a, a distortion. 
They're getting right. a distortion. Mr. Shunquaz, uh, I would like to ask you, <laughs> when, <laughs> when people celebrate Christmas and they're okay, oh, you know, we're thinking about the, the birth of Jesus. When they think about Jesus, aren't they in some way, shape, or form tapping into the energy of Jesus because they're saying or they're thinking about Jesus? Hey, all right, listen, about what they, no, no, but what they think about Jesus is a total distortion. What they think about Jesus was our Lord and Savior who died to save us from our sins. He said, that's a blasphemy. That is an outright oh. lie. Because <laughs> that perpetuates the idea of an avenging God. He says, basically, the New Testament is the Old Testament with a happy face plastered on top of it. <laughs> What's this idea about Santa Claus existing? Do you think yeah. that in some way that there's a sinister theme to it? I've always... I've, I've been feeling this a lot, especially the last couple of years, the idea that you're being judged by a person who sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, and yeah, if you obey. Listen, Jesus, yeah, Jesus said that too. He said all that is is another iteration of an avenging God. All right? That somehow, that, that's what he said. He said this is really what he tried to dispel. He tried to say, he said, see, the, the, the Jewish version of God was very tribal, all right? was very old, all right, and they thought, holy, it was like, the hippie word karma, you know, the hippies, oh, good karma, well, you know what that means, when you do good things, good things happen to you, but when bad things happen to you, it's because you did something bad, sometimes it's a reaction, it's, it's, it's cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, but karma is not judgmental, all right, but because we're so judgmental, because our minds judge so much, what we've done is we, you know, my little thing is this. I absolutely believe that, quote, God or cause created us, all of us, the good, the bad, the just, so, so, in its image. We're all co-creators, okay, in its image, all right? What we did is we returned the favor and created God in our image, okay? You notice all those people all around the world praying for God to help them. It's like, it's like the basketball game. Football games. Oh God, they're all on their knees praying for God to help them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, I mean, you I mean what the hell? Yeah, it was not even important because what they, they, they have projected their belief systems onto God. The Muslims think that God wants them to go waste all the Christians. The Christians think God wants them to waste them all the Muslims. The Jews think, what are they saying? The Christians and the Muslims. Everybody, that's blasphemy. That is blasphemy. You want to know what blasphemy is? It's not swearing. It's saying God believes and says the same crappy-ass judgments that you have in your heart. Now, that's blasphemy, Ryan McCormick. All right. Thank you. And, well, this brings up my attention. I, want to, I have to go back to something because I'm sure I'm not the only person who just wanted to pause and say that. How is Santa a representation or an image of an vengeful or vengeful God? Because the judgment of you've done things, I'm going to do good, bad things to you. You've done, but that's that's lightweight. Santa's no big deal. Santa's not a deal. He's okay. It's a, it's a little Christmas fairy tale that you know came down through you know probably the German Germanic tribes, and they turned into a, a, a reason for us to buy shit at Christmas. <laughs> okay, so it's like you know? it doesn't really have an evil. Yeah, it's not really big deal. Yeah, and you know what it is? People really didn't want to get the meaning of Jesus. They really didn't want to believe that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. 
They really didn't want to believe that you should turn the other cheek when people do crap to you. Because when people do crap to you, they want to beat the shit out of them. They still want to go back to an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So when Jesus came and preached the new dispensation, they didn't want to believe it. They really didn't want to believe it. And they still don't, Ryan. They still don't. People want revenge. And you know what the deal is? You know what Jesus said? What you hold in your heart is going to come back to you. What you hold in your heart is what's going to come back to you. That's a rule of consciousness. We are co-creators. So what your little crap-ass thoughts are, are going to fester it to come back to you. What you wish on your enemy is going to end up to you. People did not want to believe what Jesus said was right. Turn the other cheek. Don't kill. Be kind to your enemies. Hey, this is 2,000 years later. Look at us. Look at us. The science piece of shit on the planet. No wonder we're going to be in a crisis. <laughs> and this is just human nature. You know, we could blame other people. But, you know, people really, you know, I mean, there is a house cleaning that's coming along. There is a, a separating from the wheat from the chaff. You know, one of my little remarks is, surprise is a born-again Christian in hell. All these born-again Christians, it's judgmental. They're going to realize what judgment does. And judgment isn't, isn't just the domain of born-again Christians. Judgment is the domain of the human mind. All right? Fundamentalists judge harder than anybody else because they really believe they're right. A fundamentalist Muslim, a fundamentalist Jew, and a fundamentalist Christian walk into a bar together. You know what? They should get stinking drunk and get busted by the cops for the fight that they cause. Daryl Shun. <laughs> Daryl Shun Claus. Great, great honor to have you with us. We cannot have a holiday show or a prediction show without your uh, incredible, fun, and uh, generous wisdom. To learn more about Daryl Shun Claus, please go to his website at drshun.com. <laughs> great, great honor, Mr. Claus. Thank, Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for hey, Ryan. the true meaning of Christmas. Yes. Ryan, the true meaning of Christmas, have a great Christmas and try and not get in a fight with your family at Thanksgiving. I'll try not to get my family <laughs> drunk, getting in my ass or doing all the other stuff that I thought yeah. was previous year. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> Merry Christmas, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes tonight's edition of the Outer Limits of Intertooth Radio Show. Christmas show part two. Special thanks to our incredible guests. Did we get some new insights on Christmas we ever got before? I think so. Special thanks as always to our virtues. Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Lisa Caza, and Miss Constance Stellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of, Outer Limits of Intertooth Radio show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and merry, merry Christmas. Take good care. Love you very much. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>